listening to the New Century Multiverse, Panther Soul. Chapter 23, Thief in the Night. Colonash. It is today. I am placed under house arrest. They say all they want to do is keep me comfortable, but I am fairly sure the moment it seems like I am not playing ball, they will shoot me in the chest and have the local lynxes bury me. I wander the empty home I have been shunted into. The ceilings are far too low, and I keep turning around to bash my cranium against solid wooden joists. The first few times I muffle my responses, but the fourth I actively bellow with pain, rage, and frustration. One of the several lions standing guard outside pokes his head through the front door, and sitting nursing the lump with one paw, I simply point to the offending beam by way of explanation. Just walk on all fours, he suggests, and closes the door again. I slump back against the wall, feeling utterly powerless. We have no time left. Shrike is upon us, and when she arrives, things are going to get extremely bad. So what do I do? There is really only one possible and clear alternative to just sitting here and letting all of this happen, and that is to break out of this house, fight off whichever lions get in my way, and escape this city. I am given food by the lions, corn wraps filled with baked trinanas and chilies, and a spicy rabbit stew with rice, apparently a local delicacy. They include a flagon of something milky yellow, alcoholic and sour, yet refreshing. I recognize it as quash made with fermented tree sap and sitsumas. Nothing smells or tastes drugged. I consume it without joy, albeit ravenously. I look at the manner in which the house has been decorated by its owners. Beautiful, rolling jungle has been painted upon the walls, delicately, and with an eye for abstraction rather than realistic detail. I love this style. These aren't leaves, they are what leaves feel like. And behind them, in the distance, there are pointed white tips of what mountains feel like. I look up and see interpreted clouds passing overhead. Whoever lives here is nothing short of a genius, or at least knows one, and I can feel their souls speaking to me through these strokes of paint. They have my raptitude. I start to get very afraid for these lynxes I have never met. Are they outside, trying to do their job somewhere, absent, traveling? Or are they buried, not far from here, after presenting an inconvenience to the lions? Beatrix's words come back to me as I think about my initial intentions, held for so long, to find the Cloudbreaker and bring it to the lions. I told myself back then it was just an ancient glove, inert, harmless. I simply had not considered the power conferred upon it by everyone else. And I ponder my own excuses 
and reach the same realization as her. I hate my place in this world. I can fool others into believing that at some point along the way on this journey the cruelty of the lions had me change my mind and decide to stand against them, but it would have been a lie. Until now. How could I possibly have spent so many yesterdays serving them? Convincing myself I was free. Always wandering, always pushing onward. Telling myself I was past the bars of this cage. That these chains could not possibly reach as far as they have done. But I bear them still. So, the question is, what am I going to do about that now? Commodore Shrike. By evening, we finally arrive at the godforsaken little hamlet the Lynxes call a city. Iberius smells, and the nearby swamp makes me want to puke on my stockings. But I've kept an eye on those lone sun-dragon prints, and our quarry have been a doddle to follow for a seasoned tracker like myself. I may loathe the brush, but that does not mean I have not mastered it. They, conversely, meandered right into the territory we took ahead of them. The shifty little pygmies slink about on the street. Many of them have been allowed to continue serving in the eateries and drinkeries. And good thing too. The troops are hungry, thirsty and extremely tired. I am still aching and bruised from the fight with Flapjaw. And I have forbidden anybody talking about this. Let's nip that one in the bud, shall we? I retire to my quarters and tell Dashington he can see his fancy ornament in the morning. I want no questions, just a bath, a meal and some sleep. Tomorrow we can figure out what their witch doctor's ball does and march back out into the jungle to be eaten alive by everything in it. Star Dancer. It is tonight. My family and I have finally cleared the desert and carefully negotiated the red jungle around the approaching army, staying out of scent. We watch them from the tall trees as they march over the bridge. Senate is the stealthiest of us all and reports back that she has seen, with her own two eyes, the Cicerone in the grasp of their leader. You know what you must do. My dearest daughter. Morg whispers to her. Senate nods eagerly. I shall sneak in when all have retired to rest and take this prize for you, my mother. She promises. You must not be caught. But if the alarm is raised, we shall be there to protect you. Focus on just the key. Do not kill do not make a sound. Mask yourself utterly. Senate nods as Morg lays a kiss upon her painted forehead. My sister now glances at me. I nod encouragingly. Her eyes narrow, sensing subterfuge where there is none. And let me find the magenta links. 
Morgan tones to us all. She is mine. Leah, it is tonight. Grandpa Torindel tells me that in the darkest hour we shall slip away into the jungle and head to Cerebellon. Beatrix is permitted to help us. I tell him we need the Cicerone in order to get through whatever trials the great tigers have in store for us. So, when that vicious, murderess Shrike's lion army arrives, I hide behind the books in the window and peek out at their procession filing through. Can you find out where the keystone is? I ask him. Such a treasure will surely be under heavy guard. I have a fluttery, terrible feeling in my tummy. I know there is no getting away from very bad things happening now. I think the worst is not knowing exactly what. We have to try and get it back, I decide. Or what's being done right here, right now, is going to be visited on so many other homes across Rama. We're probably going to die, but we have to try. Stardancer. It is tonight. Mog, Fuller, and I watch from the sloping overhang which lines the perimeter of the Lynx dwelling, shrouded in darkness, only just able to make out the shape of Senate as she slinks over the rooftops. The tension is fostering a scream inside me. My senses are keen. I can see where the few remaining lions are roaming, around the perpendicular streets and avenues, but they are complacent, unsuspecting of attack. What could be more powerful than them? There was much rejoicing when the army got here, and they drank most of the supply of the lynx's liquor before crowding back into the barracks to sing and then fall into a drunken slumber. My eye falls upon a fountain in the middle of the city. It is tall and elegant and beautiful rushing waters jet back and forth ingeniously. The water is... dancing. I start to feel curious and strangely affectionate towards those that live here. The paws that made that miraculous structure. How can the minds behind it be as diseased and demented as Mother always tells me? Perhaps these ones are different. I have rarely seen their kind before. Maybe they know the old ways and are civil to one another. In which case the brutish lions who occupy their place of living are the ones I should direct my animosity towards. I can feel my hackles rise as Senate creeps towards their leader's lodgings. The windows flicker with dim candlelight. With good fortune, she will be asleep before a long journey. My sister listens at the door and holds herself still for as long as she can, before opening it and disappearing inside the darkness beyond. We wait. Then there is a roar which makes me arch. Senate comes barreling out of the doorway, bleeding at the shoulder as guards, now alerted, begin to pour out of their barracks, down the street and towards her, as the Commodore emerges, brandishing a cruel saber. Senate visibly shoves the Cicerone into her woven belt pouch and makes a leap for the roof, but her paw slips as her stabbed shoulder gives way. 
She crashes to the boards as the lions close in, then scrambles off down an alley as they give chase. All is in uproar. Get the key, Mog says to Fuller and I. I will grab the cup. Then she swoops in and rushes toward the fray. We still have no idea where this youngster is, so this infiltration could go awry very fast. The first guards who encounter her are frightened out of their wits to find this phantom of the night tearing through their bodies, her talons severing arteries, crushing rib cages, and lopping off heads as she goes. Reinforcements cause her to back up and disappear down another path, searching for Senate, whom everyone has lost track of. I dash down as my brother goes off to the west, to bar the door of the guardhouse, keeping as many of them inside as possible. I leap to the rooftops, searching for my sister, only to find my eyes meeting a pair of golden ones that I have missed dearly for so long. Firebrand is on the opposite rooftop. He is much bigger than I recall. But then, so am I. His body is adorned in crimson flames which suddenly glow fiercely in the night. Start answer. I see him whisper. Senate bolts below and between us, making for another alley as we both leap to intercept her together. He already knows what she carries. I must get this for my mother. Our mother. Dashing out to pin him against the wall of the alley, I aim for a quick takedown, but he is more than wise to my moves, leaping aside and invading me, bouncing from wall to wall as I pursue him. We emerge in the courtyard with the fountain. He lands on Senate's back, spinning her around and yanking the bag from her hip. She collides with me, scratching and kicking as I try to steady her, pulling free as I growl in dismay. A roar from behind me. It is the leader of the lions. Close up, I see her fierce face is horribly scarred as she charges in, aiming a long, shining, curved blade at my heart. You bloody savage! It is still adorned with Senate's blood. I whirl and flourish, but my movements do not affect her whatsoever. She hacks and slashes at me. This must be done far faster. Senate goes to attack Firebrand as he retrieves the Cicerone. Do not injure him! I shout at Senate. She ignores me and leaps in, aiming lethal claws directly at his wide eyes. In a sudden burst of protectivity, I end the fight with the scarred one in a single moment, dodging the blade to get in so close I can breathe the same breath. My paws shoot out so fast even I can barely see them as I slam six different parts of her body, shutting down both underarms, both thighs, with the chest and neck, sending her into a dead faint which will last until morning. I vault away as she slumps to intercept Senate's attack on the panther, double backflipping over the fountain in one single brilliant moment. I hang in the air as the water arcs round my body, bathed in light and the energy of fluidity. I land, rush Senate back against the wall, away from Firebrand, thrusting an outstretched paw over her heart and locking eyes. Do not touch him! I roar as she quakes in shock. Firebrand grips our prize and rolls down another alley. I dash onward to intercept once more. My heart is racing and the lions are drawing nearer. I lose track of Senate. I think I may have winded her. I can hear Mother roaring for us. Firebrand is making for the northeastern edge of the city, close to the front gates. 
a tall tower with a strange, enormous spyglass extended. He yells out, Beatrix! Leah! We have to go! I pick up a burst of speed and spiral around him, jabbing at his shoulder. He retracts his arm, but his paw flexes uncontrollably, dropping the ball, which I catch. Mog appears to the north, near the tower door, as the lions guarding it rush forth to attack her. Firebrand uses this momentary distraction to snatch the ball from me with his other paw. He then starts to aim blows, trying to knock me down. I find myself arcing around incredibly fast jabs that he delivers with his stinging right paw. I faint with my tail and spin the dance of the whirlwind hailstorm. He matches me as I kick the key out of his left paw, and we whirl and snatch to keep possession. Now he has it, then I, then him again. Amidst all this frightening danger, I am somehow laughing with joy, even as our enemies close in upon us. I have missed this flow so very much. A part of me accepts that if we are to die, it will be in this moment of reuniting. He has grown magnificent. Then the tower door opens, and a red-coated lioness charges forth, holding the paw of the struggling magenta lynx cub. They take one look at Mother beating so many attacking lions down, and for a moment are uncertain as to whether this force of supernature, pushing against the golden wave, is a friend or foe. Redcoat is closer to me now, and rushes to help Firebrand, but in doing this the cub wrenches her paw away, and stands rooted to the spot, glaring at him in fury. Come to me, little one. Mother cries in Albies. I shall protect you from them. She snaps two maned necks to punctuate this offer. I was taking this in for a fraction too long. I turn back to the panther and just dodge his blow toward my jaw. Realizing too late that I am leaning into an almighty swipe from the lioness. This collides with my face, sending me slamming into the stone wall. The world explodes with stars. The key tumbles out into space, hits the boarded street, and skitters far off into the distance. Redcoat charges off after it, screaming back in her language at Firebrand. Get the cub out of here! Find me in the jungle! He is frozen in place, looking across at the lynx, as Mother rears up behind her, forcing through the throng. Panther yells at the cub to come with him, but she shakes her head, face full of anger, and takes a step towards Mog. Lions are approaching Redcoat. She cannot fight them off, and they will be on her in moments. Bullets impact in the stone walls behind her as she closes on the keystone. Firebrand looks back at this, then breaks, and runs in the direction of Redcoat, plowing into her attackers. A tornado of flying fists, weaving around their blows as they try in vain to reload their rifles. He clears a pathway to the side wall and he and his companion leap up and make their escape. He glances back at me on the ground, and beyond that to the cub. His expression is twisted with what I recognize as conflict. Then he is gone. An old white-bearded lynx is calling from the tower door as Mog clears the swath of mauled and dead lions, runs past him, and swoops in to grab her. She does not struggle. Mother picks me up under the other arm and takes an almighty heaving leap skyward to land on the perimeter roof. As she turns herself, 
I can see Fuller and Sinnott fighting for their lives. They're so far away. This was a grave mistake. Mog pants. We We must must go. She still has hold of the cub as we jump from the rooftops and allow ourselves to be swallowed by the jungle night, leaving behind a city of mournful, savage cries. Episode 23 of Panther Soul, Thief in the Night, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Stardancer, performed by Theo Lee. Morgue, performed by Maya Suris. Senate, performed by Alejandra Vargas. Commodore Shrike, performed by Sharon Shaw. Turandel, performed by Akshdeep Singh Vora. Colo Nash, performed by Alex Shaw. Leah, performed by Willow Shaw and Captain Beatrix, performed by Loretta Saylor. Make your decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Panther Soul theme, Zard, composed and performed by Jason Bradley Livesey of Shockwave Sound. Witch by the Sea, composed and performed by Darren Curtis. Zombie Hoodoo and Spirit of the Girl, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Circle of Life by Ald. Floating Market. Ice Dragon, Mountain Pass, The Strange, Harpy's Nest, and The Feywild, Ambience from Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, John Clawson, Joe Gluck, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas Hario, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Skeels Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. For the maximum New Century Multiverse experience, you need to be checking out the podcast Through the Wind Door, where Greg Downing and Toby Skills Jungius talk us through each story like a book club and go into mind-boggling depth. I don't know about you, but I like having my mind boggled. They're currently up to Steamheart, 